Okay. Okay, we are recording. Hello and welcome to the deep end once again. Sorry for we've had a couple of weeks break because we've both been very busy. Um, how are you today, Villa? I'm good. Uh, it snowed uh, today and uh, last night, so I had to use this uh, nokapura. Uh, it was like this wheel that goes in front of the wheelchair. And it basically makes me a three-wheeler wheelchair user. And it goes fast in a straight line, but then avoiding people and turning is quite a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I don't like using it, but... It is winter, and we do what we have to do. Yeah, I was cycling today, and I, I need to try and put my winter tires on. But I've been too lazy to do it until now. Yeah. I keep saying too busy. Yeah. Too lazy. It doesn't take long to t- change tires. Yeah. But I, I can't be bothered. But yeah, now is the impetus when you actually got snow on the ground and you're slipping around. Yeah, today, this morning, I went down a huge hill, and I went kind of sideways, and I felt like I really... Finnish rally person just like drifting down oh, this yeah. hill and I was like, yep, this is this is the good stuff. <laughs> you know, this is the good stuff. <laughs> the thing is, we, we have actually seen each other in the last couple of weeks because you came up to my lab in Uvascular. You We have, yeah, Uvascular. Yeah. Uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, they drawn on me uh, on my left shoulder and the right shoulder and then they took ultrasounds of the muscles uh, before and after stretching, and we are still awaiting for the results. No, we've got the results now. Oh, okay. And so, uh oh. <laughs> Did you? So, we're using something called a, a shear wave elastograph, which is a slightly fancier ultrasound. So, you get the ultrasound image, but then there's a, a second pulse that goes through your muscle or whichever tissue we're looking at, but in your case, the muscle, to see how elastic it is. Yeah. So, you, you get this elasticity measurement. Yeah. So if you're doing stretching, you would expect your muscles to get more flexible. Yeah. Which kind of happens to everybody in every study, except you and your right arm. Okay. Where you apparently get tighter. Okay. Doing stretching. Okay. Now, so either you're an incredible outlier, which is possible because you are a bit strange. Yeah. Or we weren't very good at doing the measurement. Okay. What's the odds of, what's the percentages, like the probability of... I'm going to say 95% we didn't do a very good measurement on you. I don't know. I mean, what if I'm on the outlier? What if I was no, correct in that stretching sure, doesn't work? I'm pretty sure longer <laughs> stretching or more effective stretching will make you more flexible. The problem was, with this shear wave elastograph, it's mm. really the first time any of us have really used it before. Yeah. We've had like a short demo on it, so... Most of all, we've done about 15, 20 minutes each. Okay. Maximum, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably had the most at about 15, 20 minutes. Okay. And and that was all on uh, calf muscles, which yeah. is really easy to look at. You can look at the penation angle of the muscle fibers yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, where the anterior deltoid, where we're looking at on you, it's a bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a really interesting, sort of, essentially a preliminary study. Yeah. To see if there was a, a difference, if there was something interesting, mm-hmm. because there is nothing out there using shear wave elastogra- elastography on people with AMC. Okay. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. So even then, that, that's why I, I was sent to you, uh, was it yesterday in text message? Mm-hmm. Athletes with disabilities. Yeah. Research gold. Yeah, yeah. Because even if we're not, like, 
uh, hopefully I'm getting you and a few of the guys signed up with First Beat and Garmin. Maybe, yeah, this, yeah. Uh, At least two are interested, I yeah. think. So we're going to get get those guys to come down to Tampa and we do like, it's a wheelchair, it's a lactate test. Okay. So that'll be really interesting. And the thing is, one thing, finding enough people with disabilities is kind of tricky. Yeah. Trying to find people with disabilities who also do sports. Yeah. Like rocking horse poo. Yeah. Really difficult. Mm-hmm. So you guys, you, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who will want you in the labs. Um, which is why getting you, up, you made me look good, you see. Having having you around as a friend <laughs> means that sort of we can have, we're probably going to have the most interesting presentation when we do this, this stuff. Yeah. Because uh, everybody else was just testing on themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the only one was somebody was recovering from an, uh, what do you call it, uh, anterior cruciate ligament uh, surgery. Okay. And that was one of the things we talked about, recovery from ALC surgery. And yeah. So having somebody six months in, that made their presentation pretty good. Cool. Whereas cool. everybody else, it was just using the machines to then test something and just testing on each other, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm. But I think you give us the extra 10%. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're like the icing on the cake. Happy to hear it. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting having athletes with disabilities and getting into the lab because we, we can learn so much more about people in general, mm-hmm. say whether it's like elasticity of your muscles mm-hmm. by testing you because... Both like both sides of you are, are a bit different. Yeah. Quite a bit different. Yeah. Whereas if it's me, yeah, you don't learn an awful lot about the human body. Yeah. Because I'm pretty average. Yeah. yeah. Where, or like somebody with a nervous system disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we, we can learn a lot about the nervous system by either sort of figuring out is it the actual nerves, is it the neuromuscular junction, or is it part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And if you can test all of that on somebody who has a deficit, then you can find out a lot more about how a regular person's body works. Yeah. If you, f- you can test somebody who has a specific problem yeah, or yeah. an issue. So when, like in, <laughs> in, in the department where I'm at in, in Viveka, you're always seeing people with things wrong with them coming backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got a lot of kids with cerebral palsy coming in. It's yeah. uh, oh, Forgotten his name. It's not Gonzalo. It's one of the other. Uh, I think he's a Spanish guy. Okay. I can picture him. I've forgotten his name. Yeah, he does a lot of work with kids with cerebral palsy. Okay. And those kids are great. They're really funny. And it's funny because he doesn't speak much Finnish. Yeah. So whenever I see them, I can do jokes with the kids, and he kind of just looks like, "All right, what's 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 going on?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, brains and. People who are a little bit different. Do you remember what we're talking about today? No, I have no yeah. idea. So, we're talking about CTE. Okay. Do you remember what CTE is? No. All right. I'm gonna. I've been practicing saying this word. Okay. It's chronic traumatic encephalitis. Encephalopathy. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Encephalopathy. Yeah. Uh, now that's probably going to be the last time. I'm just going to say CTE from now on. Okay. Because encephalopathy. Encephalopathy is a difficult word for me to say. Encephalopathy. Encephalopathy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The more you say it, the more ridiculous it sounds. Quite, yeah. I think one time when I was younger, I had a Spanish teacher told me that with hard words, you want to start at the end 
and you yeah. work your you yeah. work your way forward. I've actually brought it out phonetically on the screen here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that's how you like in Spanish or in general, like if you have a long word like uh, I don't know, anthropomorphous, you know, mm. you can you can do it backwards. So from the beginning from the backwards, from the last syllable, uh, you go forward to the letter, to the to the word. And it's interesting. That's how you uh if you're learning Finnish and you're learning the longest words, working your way back from the backward of the of the word yeah, to the front. Because encephalopathy talks about sort of the brain and different swellings and I injuries. actually know about CTE a lot, I think. Right. Uh, I mean, I by accident, I think, well, in it's studying psych psychology and it's stuff. It's become a popular topic this last few years. Yeah, yeah. Because of uh, American football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, yeah. Head injuries. Yeah, that's, that's actually where I probably know it from as well. So it became incredibly popular. I, I'll explain about the, the researcher. But it became really popular uh, because of American football, but then loads of other sports, because of that, have realized, all right, we need a concussion policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like in cycling, in, in the past, if somebody had a crash, yeah, yeah. the first thing they would do is jump back on the bike, no matter how injured they were, mm -hmm. and then try and catch up. And yeah, every yeah. so often you see somebody swerving around, and then they're obviously not well. Yeah. And the doctor is literally trying to talk to them as they're riding and trying to catch back up with the peloton. Yeah. yeah. Which is not safe for anybody. Mm -hmm. So now they have this concussion protocol where it's like, all right, we need to check you out, make sure you, you're fit enough to continue, mm -hmm. and then we can actually drive you back up to the peloton so that it makes it safer for everyone. Because the last thing you want is somebody with a concussion weaving in and out of a peloton, yeah. like 200 people going 50 kilometers an hour. Yeah, or, or faster down a mountain. Yeah, I think they have similar protocol uh, in boxing. So if a if a person gets knocked out or ah, well stands up, because uh, the, the whole point of boxing is to actually inflict uh, concussions on uh, each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you have this sort of standing eight count. Yeah, yeah. and or, or sort of the, the the ten count to be out, but the intention with boxing is to cause brain injury. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, it's so it's a. And it's the same with most most martial arts. I mean, obviously, there's other martial arts where it's about scoring points. Mm -hmm. But let's say MMA, mm -hmm. you're trying to cause some kind of brain injury. Yeah, yeah. Or every so often, some kind of body injury that stops you from continuing. Yeah, yeah. Like from an arm lock or liver punch or something. But most of the time, you're trying to cause a minor to major brain injury on yeah. somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's the intention. So we'll get into a brief history of CTE. Okay. So it was first described in 1928. When Dr. Harrison Martland, good name, Harrison, mm -hmm. uh, looked at a group of boxers and they had something he called punch drunk syndrome. Okay. So basically, punch drunk, you can imagine what it's like. If you've met like an old boxer where they slur their words mm -hmm. and, and they just don't quite seem like they're fully with it, mm -hmm. it's because they've had repeated concussions over, over a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So over the next 75 years, several researchers reported similar findings in boxers and other victims of brain trauma. But fewer than 50 cases were actually confirmed, which is not a lot when you think about it. So in 2005, a pathologist named Bene Omalu, mm -hmm. now there's a movie about him with uh, Will Smith. Okay. Quite, it's quite a good movie. I can't remember what it's called now. I'm picture the anyway. So it was the first evidence of CTE in an American football player. Mm -hmm. A former Pittsburgh Steeler called Mike Webster. Yeah. So the publication caught the attention of the 
Concussion Legacy Foundation, co-founder Dr. Chris Nowinski, mm-hmm. envisioned the world's first athlete brain bank. Okay. Uh, Nowinski began reaching out to the families of NFL players and other athletes who had recently passed away to arrange brain donation. Now, of the people... Now, obviously, these brain donations come after somebody dead. Mm-hmm. So, what you often find is that... I've actually got a, an example here. Uh, so, the Chicago Bears defensive back, Dave Dewerson, mm-hmm. shot himself fatally in the chest. Mm-hmm. Now, why would he be shooting himself in the chest? Now, obviously, this is America. There's a lot of uh, suicide by gun. Mm-hmm. But we know... We can all imagine the ways that people normally kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Shooting yourself in the chest sounds like a very painful and slow way to die. Mm-hmm. And a lot of American footballers are doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're up to about 50 American footballers shooting themselves in the chest. Mm-hmm. Um, also famous BMXer Dave Mira shot himself in the chest. Mm-hmm. Now, Dave Mira was actually a bit of a hero of mine younger when I was younger, mm-hmm. known as Miracle Boy. Amazing BM, like freestyle BMX rider. Okay. Then he started doing triathlon, mm-hmm. and he was actually pretty good. Okay. And then, God, it's nearly ten years ago now. Just shot it, went to his car and shot himself in the chest. Okay. Probably because he wanted his brain to be uh, studied after he died, mm-hmm. which is why all the American footballers do it because they've been having all these various symptoms of CTE, mm-hmm. which we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. And it sounds awful. Now these guys are fully retired by the start. By the time they start getting all the symptoms, yeah, and they're kind of my age, mm. early mid forties, yeah, yeah, and they're wrecked, yeah, either with just physical pain or brain issues, whether it's forgetfulness, anger, and it's um, it's qu- it's quite sad when you hear about it. Mm. So I'll quickly go into the symptoms of CTE. So. They report mood and behaviour symptoms that can appear as early as in the patient's 20s. Okay. Common changes include impulse control problems, aggression, mood swings, depression, paranoia, and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Now, they're quite broad, actually. But you also get cognitive symptoms, Mm -hmm. which progressively get worse. So, short-term memory loss, confusion, impaired judgement, and early-onset dementia. Yeah. You've got people my age with dementia. Yeah. Now, cognitive symptoms tend to appear later in life, often in the patient's 40s. Mm-hmm. Patients may exhibit uh, one or both symptom clusters. In some cases, symptoms worsen with time, even if the patient suffers no additional head patient uh, traumas. In other cases, symptoms may be stable for years before worsening. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also uh, sleep problems. Yeah. Sleep problems. The problems with sleep, specifically symptoms uh, associated with REM behavior disorder, maybe mm-hmm. re- maybe related to CTE pathology. Mm-hmm. So, what causes CTE? And what is chronic traumatic encephalopathy? Mm-hmm. I, s- I promise I wouldn't be saying that again. <laughs> the best evidence tells us CTE is caused by repetitive hits to the head mm-hmm. sustained over a period of years. This doesn't mean a handful of concussions. Now, I've had a handful of concussions from crashing bikes, skateboards, whatever. Mm. Most people diagnosed with CTE suffered hundreds or even thousands of head impacts over the course of many years. Yeah. Playing contact sports or serving in the military. Mm. And it's not just concussions. The best available evidence points towards sub-concussive impacts, 
or hits to the head that don't cause full-blown concussions as the biggest factor. Mm. So American football is possibly the worst for that mm. because they have the helmets on and then they literally many times in a game, like you don't even have to whack your head to get this. If you imagine, have you have you seen this thing where you talk about concussions where you have, your brain is like this soft jelly-like substance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just being, even though you might have a helmet on and you don't get injury to your skull yeah, yeah. your brain decelerates and hits the inside yeah, of your yeah. skull yeah, both yeah. ways yeah and i mean i've certainly had a couple of concussions so i've got some idea that you don't even have to hit your head just like very fast decelerations mm-hmm. which is basically the whole game of american football yeah or accelerations to your head like in ba- uh, boxing yeah every person diagnosed with cte has one thing in common the wrong button on there. Let's there Every person CT has one thing in common. History of repetitive hits to the head. It's, uh, it's most frequently found in contact sport athletes and military veterans. It's been found in inv- individuals with primary exposure to head impacts were through tackle football. Mm-hmm. So 500 plus cases. The military, mm-hmm. 50 cases. So 10 times more in American football. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 cases in ice hockey. Yeah. 20 cases in uh, boxing just in America and 50 cases globally. Okay. So weirdly, boxing has less incidences of, of punch-drunk sy- syndrome mm. than American football. Mm. And then five from pro wrestling. Mm. I think you can imagine pro wrestlers. Now, these are these are all diagnosed after death. Yeah, okay. There is, there is some sort of diagnose, diagnostic criteria that... You look at the symptoms that I talked about earlier, mood swings, aggression, depression, paranoia, you can go, you probably have CTE mm-hmm. based on your history. Mm-hmm. But the only real diagnosis is cutting open someone's head and taking out their brain and looking at these tau proteins. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's, like I say, generally somebody has to think that they have CTE and the, the various side effects. And then when they die, quite often self-inflicted death mm-hmm. once they've done that then they're able to donate their brain so it's much it may be much more common than we think but yeah we need this brain bank to yeah. be able to check yeah, yeah is there any way to prevent cte not really but it can actually be prevented now what they're saying here the best way to prevent cte from occurring is to wear a helmet during sports practice and competition as well as your other safety gear, mm-hmm. but wearing a helmet, wearing a helmet, wearing a helmet mm-hmm. doesn't automatically prevent you from sustaining a head injury. Mm-hmm. It can reduce the severity of the impact, but you can still sustain a head injury while playing sports. Mm-hmm. And it's recommended that you rest for about three weeks oh, after that. a concussion. That's a long time. And so you can imagine somebody who plays like college American football might be playing two games a week. Mm-hmm. That means missing six to nine games mm-hmm. and you can't afford that so people go back too early yeah and it seems like the concussion or the, the tau's protein that if you could have three weeks rest after a concussion and not receive another concussion mm-hmm. you're probably all right which is yeah kind of what's happened with me that i would mine were very infrequent but even if you have subconcussive blasts mm-hmm. to your head and then you come back quite often in the same game mm-hmm. or within the same week then the symptoms seem to be much worse. Yeah, yeah. So it's like constant, repetitive, sort of, not terrible, but 
concussive, like like hard blast to your head. It's pretty rough. Since 85% of TBIs need at least this amount of time for recovery, three weeks. Taking time to fully recover from a TBI can also help decrease of it, uh, the risk of it eventually evolving into CTE. We're, that's an educated guess. We don't really know that because you can't check your brain. Like the, none of the brain scanning techniques, whether it's MRI, mm. fMRI, EEG, MEG, none of these can really find these tau proteins in your brain. Mm-hmm. So y- you can't do it when you're alive, Yeah, which is kind of rough. So you base it on the symptoms, and then it's fully diagnosed after death. Mm-hmm. Now, one of, my wi- one of the wild theories I've heard, especially when it comes to American football or boxing, is actually remove the protective gear. Okay. So this is about the use of helmets in American football. So as the technology is improved, mm-hmm. the helmets are incredibly high tech, mm-hmm. and they protect your